G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. But I loved the fact that the people who said really negative comments came back and said, just didn't know what to say. Well, now this is a way for us to educate people on how you say it. The woman's right to choose versus the right for an unborn's right to live has resulted in much debate and division. On the front line of this issue is Robin Chambers, Vice President of Advocacy for Children at Focus on the Family in the United States. We're going to talk about the value of life and how you can discuss this topic in a more informed way. That's Robin Chambers, our guest today, along with my wife Kate and myself, Brett Ryan, for Focus on the Family, Australia. And as you would imagine, we want to give a little ears warning. And a special thanks to the team in the United States for allowing us to use their studio and recording this interview. Well, Robin, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me on. I've always wanted to visit Australia. Does this count? Uh, a little bit, but we'll welcome you anytime. That would yes. be great. Come visit. <laughs> um, well, let's hear a little bit about the Robin story, just you as a person. Oh, how long do we have right well, now? I'm kidding. <laughs> Kate, um, interestingly enough, when I first started at Focus nearly 30 years ago, um, I thought it was going to be a temporary position. I had a friend who was working here, and she said, come do Christmas help with me. And fell in love with the mission of Focus on the Family. And um, I think that's what we want as Christ followers, is you want to be a part of something that helps people understand who they are in Christ and that their value is Mm. who they are in Christ. And so kind of fell in love with it and stayed. Um, and then 19 years ago, the Lord... Quite a temporary position, by the way. <laughs> I know, years. a long yeah. temporary. That's why I said they can't get rid of me. No. Um, and then obviously started regular full-time. But 19 years ago, the Lord started really kind of pricking my heart and saying, now's the time. Well, then the now was my story of an unplanned pregnancy when I was in high school. And so I'd not shared that story. Um, and a lot of women whether they've chosen life or chosen an abortion, sometimes that shame tends to play that tape in your mind over and over and over. And I think I had led the enemy in to say, see, you're not valuable if you tell that story. No one's going to take you serious if you're working at Focus on the Family and you did that. Mm. And so you play that tape and thinking, oh, that was this huge sin and I can't share that. And so um, wrestled with the Lord and spent a week in fasting and praying and said, okay, if this is what you want me to do, then I will obey. Uh, sometimes that's easier said than done. Yes. Um, but stepped into um, what is now advocacy for children. And I always like to say advocacy for life because yeah. it's broad. It's so much mm. more than just mm. what we do in the children's space. Um, and started telling my story of my unplanned pregnancy when I was 16. And how was that received by family or friends or even your work colleagues here at Focus? Yeah. Um, when it first happened, I have to say I was very blessed in never being put in the position of having to choose 
um, whether or not to have an abortion. I had amazing support from my boyfriend at the time and now husband of 44 years um, and my mom and dad. And so that is something I think a lot of women who are post-abortive don't have that support. Um, And anecdotally, we've heard that from women who are post-abortive. I just had one person. Well, I had three. I had three amazing people who said, okay, not what we planned, but we'll go through this pregnancy with you. And so I, I had the privilege of choosing life because I had all that support. But when I started telling it here, I think people were very surprised um, because they didn't know that part of me. I tended to keep that pretty close. Well, it's a Um, persona. It's sort of like the image. And we all have mm -hmm. that image. And we wear our masks really well in Christendom. mm -hmm. You know, I've heard awful stories of people, you know, not responding as well as uh, your boyfriend and your parents. I did have some interesting comments from people inside the walls. Um, but interestingly enough, they came back around and said, I was just really caught off guard. I didn't know how to respond. And so I'm so thankful that, you know, Brett, you and Kate are having this conversation because that is something that we can address. How do you respond when someone says that to you, regardless of the outcome? And so, um, for the most part, I had a lot of support here, um, and people saying, tell the story. Because then God gets the glory and Satan doesn't get the victory in your life. And and that really stuck with me. Um, But I loved the fact that the people who said really negative comments came back and said, just didn't know what to say. Well, now this is a way for us to educate people on how you say it. Mm. Well, I love that you're talking about that even because Mm. let's face it, any sin you know, mm-hmm. that we're trying to hide mm-hmm. and then it's brought out into the light. It can be anything. It's people who are looking at pornography, right. people who, it doesn't matter. We, we've all got sin. And when it's brought to the light, mm-hmm. you know, it is quite freeing. Yeah. Even if people respond badly, mm-hmm. yeah. um, because there are always those who might respond badly and go away and think about it. And I always love the story of uh, Mary and Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. When Mary came and told Elizabeth, it was an unexpected, unplanned pregnancy, you right. could say. Planned <laughs> yes. by God, but, you know, unexpected, unexpected nonetheless. Right. Yes. And, <laughs> and, and she, she rejoiced and blessed her. You know, like, mm. and I think that's what we need to have. You know, like, congratulations. Right. How can I help you? But those are the stories and the conversations that we can have in our own homes with our own children. Mm. Because you start having that kind of an attitude of, congratulations, you're going to have a baby. How can I support you? That starts that valuing life from the very, very earliest age, and that's an opportunity for us as parents to start changing the narrative around this topic where it's not the, oh, I shouldn't have said that, or it's not the negative, um, and it lands on us. Yeah, And I guess, too, that's all part of, as you say, the parenting role. You know, we're talking about keeping ourselves for marriage and Mm -hmm. whatever, and yet Sometimes we get into situations where we respond differently or react differently. Our children make choices, and yet it's how we respond, not react, because we tend to react, right. you know, when things <laughs> have gone off schedule. And uh, I think that's a really good lesson because as parents, we tend to go, this reflects on me. If my child has gone and got pregnant, this mm-hmm. reflects on me. They'll go, well, what were you doing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the domino but, effect, But I think it? we need to focus on what do we need to do in the moment? And, and what does God say about that? Right. It's and a life. It I'm, doesn't matter how the life got there. <laughs> and that's, that's what I started to say, Kate, is, you know, how would our Heavenly Father respond? Mm-hmm. And it, it wouldn't be instant judgment. It's oh, not what we had planned. 
But I still love you. It's the unconditional love. Yeah. It's, it's what the Heavenly Father has taught us. Yeah. Of you can come to me with anything. And I wanted to be that parent yeah. um, because I had that parent. Yes. Yeah, very so that's much wonderful. So. And I love that verse where it says in Romans, I believe, uh, 2 4, you know, it's his kindness that brings us to his repentance. Mm-hmm. And we are his ambassadors. We represent him to be kind to those mm-hmm. who may be doing it really tough. And this is a, a really tough situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're a young mum. That was another journey, I'm sure. A very young mom, and my uh, boyfriend at the time, like I said, husband now, 44 years, chose to marry, even at that really young age. Um, a lot of was criticism. He no, he was actually 19, so we were 19 okay. and 16. Yep. Um, he was a freshman in college, and I'm sure having a baby at age 19 was not part of his plan, but I never remember him saying, oh, I'm out of here, or you know, I'm not going to yeah. do this. It was... He took responsibility. Yeah, it was that big gulp. You know, you kind of, oh, okay, take a breath. And um, that started a journey. But again, having the support of our family was huge. But then also having the support of a church. We went to, um, I would say the denomination, I don't want to offend anyone, a large church in the city where the um, university was. And we were very shamed for what we had done. And then chose to go to this tiny, tiny little Nazarene church and we were so accepted and so loved, and that became our church family. And I thought, I always want to be a part of a church that has that kind of welcomeness. Mm. As you said, Kate, regardless of the sin, the church should be the first place we go, and sometimes it isn't, especially yeah. in a situation like this. Somehow in this culture, we've made this unexpected pregnancy seem like the bigger sin mm. because it's so obvious. You can't hide your tummy you know, no, when, you're, yeah. you know, when you're pregnant. But that church never said anything, and they just welcomed us in and just it's loved so on us. And I thought, I always want to be a part of that kind of community, you know, mm. of do I just immediately welcome someone in who's in that situation? I hope so. I hope that's what we've done. Yeah, mm. well, I think having compassion, mm-hmm. that we have to have a heart of compassion, because if we don't, how do we handle anybody? <laughs> I'm just going to say that. It's mm-hmm. anybody in the church. Yeah. We're all sinners. And if that was all just kind of revealed, mm-hmm. but so many people have hidden behind, as Brett said, the mask, and you know, then they compare the size of sins, right? And that's wrong. Yeah. And I think yeah. from the pulpit, you can see mm-hmm. if it's going to be a welcoming church. Yeah. Very you know, much when so. they speak on God's love, on God's acceptance, God wants us to just run to Him, right? And with whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kate, what a great. Reminder: I've actually had pastors who said, "Robin, I can't, I can't talk about abortion from the pulpit. I don't want to offend someone." And I said, "You offend people, lots of people, when you don't, yeah. because then you're not seen as a safe place." Mm. And so, as the pastor, if you're talking about this and you're reminding people, we're all broken. Mm. That's the reason God sent His Son. If we're all broken, then yes, you can talk about this from the pulpit, and now you're a safe place. Yeah. For that man or that woman who might even be considering abortion while they're sitting in your church. Yeah. Absolutely. One in four women who have an abortion have a faith journey. Really? So if your pastor says there's hope and there's healing and there's grace and there's mercy and there's kindness, you're a safe place. So don't shy away from it. Talk about abortion. I think that's how we 
start having conversations. Um, and as we were talking earlier, we have conversations on arguments. Mm. And you have this conversation and the church becomes that safe place. Yeah. yeah. When you look at the data, that's mm. what it's saying. You know, so there's be someone in your audience, wherever it may be, or even in your family or even in your work mm. that will have gone through this. And so we we have to respond in a way that shows that loving kindness. And uh, so even mm. from the pulpit, and the church needs to do a better job on this mm-hmm. area. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the fact that you had that support. You know, that was the, the key. Mm-hmm. Um, what other reasons are there for people to choose to end a life? We hear so many really heartbreaking stories, women who've never sought um, any kind of forgiveness or healing. And so when we finally have those conversations and say, you know, what happened in your life? Can I have a conversation with you? Because I want to know how I can support you even after that decision. And it all comes back to fear. Mm. I'm afraid of being a single mom. I'm afraid that I can't provide for my child. I'm afraid that I'm going to lose my scholarship. We've actually heard that. Or the father of the baby says he's out if I don't have this abortion. And so you go all the way back to that gripping, really gripping fear. Um, And so if we start having conversations about how to alleviate the fear and showing her all of her options – giving her the information, all the education, that we're removing that fear. Information is power. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we've said that, you know, education is empowerment. And that's what women right now are saying. And this is my right. You know, I want to be empowered. Well, then education is the way we do that. But then we we strip away all of those fears, all the barriers yeah. that would keep her from, ha- you know, choosing life. And we say, what if we could help you find a place to live? What if we can help find affordable, safe childcare for your child? What if we can help you keep your scholarship and finish your education? Then we've removed that barrier. And all those barriers that we remove, yep. she is closer and closer to making that decision for life. Yeah. You're listening to Robin Chambers, who is the Vice President of Advocacy for Children for Focus on the Family in the United States. The Word for Today is Australia's most widely read daily devotional, designed to give you practical teaching to keep you focused on your relationship with Jesus. Read it online or subscribe to the free printed edition at thewordfortoday.com.au. Well, welcome back. I'm Brett Ryan, and along with my wife, Kate, we're chatting to Robin Chambers, who's the Vice President of Advocacy for Children. You're listening to Focus on the Family, Australia. Well, it goes on to say that it's really, it takes work. It's not an easy to say, there, there, have the baby, Mm -hmm. and that's Mm -hmm. it. Right. I mean, that's been a tension also. I've got some friends who work in this ministry, and they were getting support for the baby, but not support for the mother. And they were being ostracized because they were supporting the mother and the baby. You know, and it's we live in a very distorted world <laughs> at times, even within Christendom. And um, but your fact that you know, if you can provide that network of responding and giving the answers to the fears, such as finances and their future and accommodation, okay. and it gives them a lot more hope. Mm-hmm. I think when you remove hope, you remove an opportunity to educate. So when we start talking to her about her real fears, and we can't dismiss that, even though we're in our minds saying, well, we've got all this, we've got all this. Not if we haven't shared that with her, not mm. if we haven't given her practical yeah. ways to address those fears. And 
one of the things I find interesting is to say to her, even if you choose not to marry the father of that child, you can still co-parent and co-parent well. And that's a fear. She's like, well, I don't want to be married to him. That's a whole different subject, yeah. Brett, we could yes. talk about as far as you know what you were saying, mm. Kata, saving ourselves from marriage. But if we can educate both of them and alleviate the fear of her being stuck, that's what we've heard, where I'm stuck in this loveless marriage. If we can alleviate that, but give them the tools and focus on the family Australia, focus on the family U.S., has some of the best parenting tools and resources we have, then we're educating both of them on how they can parent and co-parent well. And who does that end up helping that child? But coming back around to all the things we just said, that's pro-woman. And you're right. We have had that conversation thrown or argument, really, of you only care about the baby. And so working toward all those resources that she needs, we're just really debunking that argument and saying, no, we are pro-woman. We are for her. But I also want the dads to feel like we're for him as well. well. Because what if we could do the same thing for him and saying, how about if we help find a job for you? And then you can financially, you know, help care for your child. Then we're supporting that family. We're supporting mom, dad, and the child. So very good. It it is so wonderful to hear. And I think young people who find themselves in a similar situation to yourself when they're really young and they're having this conversation, well, I'm just a child who's going to have to raise a child. What do I know? And if their parents are not supportive, Mm -hmm. to have opportunities uh, to have people surround them who are going to be supportive and, mm. and teach them. You know, with Australia, we've got Pregnancy Help Australia and they actually run not just uh, to help them through their pregnancy, but they do work with the fathers as well. And also parenting mm. classes after the baby's yeah. born. So that continued support throughout their journey. Yeah, but and it's not happens. just young people, it's also older people, yes. even if they're married and they've got two children and they mm-hmm. don't want to have a third one, there's all those circumstances mm-hmm. that just can be overwhelming. You mentioned arguments, you know, mm-hmm. that's the arguments get thrown at you and mm-hmm. a very classic argument, what would you do in rape or what do you do if it's health related? You know, mm-hmm. the percentages are very small, but they get a lot of airplay. So how would we respond to those type of accusations or arguments that are thrown back at us? Well, as you know, we just celebrated the overturn of Roe. Mm. It was a year ago, June 24th. Um, but one of the arguments that I hear so often is ectopic pregnancies. Women are going to die. And an ectopic pregnancy, for your listeners, is a fertilized egg that's outside of the womb. And typically, it's in the fallopian tubes. That is not a viable pregnancy. And so we have a wonderful video um, from an obstetrician who talks about that. And she said, this is not... An abortion. This is a medical procedure that's done to save the life of the mom. Yeah. So you're again, you're talking very, very pro woman. So you have to remove that egg. And yes, it is heartbreaking. It's still a loss of a pregnancy, but it is not an elective abortion. Abortion is the only medical term that is designed to end the life of a child. Yeah. This is not an abortion. This is a medical procedure that's designed again to save the life of that mom. And so I think, again, going back to education, and that's why we're, you know, at Focus, um, U.S. Focus Australia, we're so, I feel like we're so committed to having really accurate medical information on everything that we do around this. And so I would challenge your listeners to really dig in and look at what it means to have an ectopic pregnancy. That pregnancy is not viable. Baby will not live outside. So, again, just looking at this from a medical perspective and educating yourself, that is not an elective abortion. 
we do hear the comments and and the arguments about rape. Less than 1% of mm-hmm. rapes end in pregnancy because it's a violent act against that woman. And le- hear me say, no woman is ever at fault for a rape being perpetrated against yeah. her. But it's such a violent act, it's not conducive to really creating a baby. Um, but here's what I always say. Why does the child have to pay for the sins of the father? Mm-hmm. And it's a second invasive violent act against that woman. Yeah. Is that really health care for her? Is that really caring for her? Mm. If we're pro-woman, why aren't we coming alongside her to say, I'm so sorry that happened to you? Yeah. Would you like to have information about adoption? Can we give her a second choice that yeah. doesn't end in the life of her yeah. child? So. You're going to get me really passionate, Brad. But I can, I, and, and that's okay. Yeah, it's, it's, I, we're with yeah, you. We are. And it, it's it's interesting because then when people talk about that, then they say, well, it's more damaging to the woman for her mental health to carry mm. a baby that was brought about mm. by rape. And so it's better for them to have an abortion right. than for their mental health. So what do you say to that? Well, how about we say this? So there was a recent article in a physician's journal published nationally, and a study was conducted um, probably about a year ago, like 2022. 73.8% of all women who have an abortion say they regret it, and they were pressured into that. Is that 73? 73.8%. Wow. There's a mental health aspect to abortion that we don't talk about. Oh, Yeah. So women, almost 74%, let's say 74% of women are saying they had grief and regret. Doesn't matter how the pregnancy occurred. You think of a woman who is dealing with the mental health aspect of a rape, and then you're going to add this. Mm. You're missing her mental health challenges. Again, that's not health care. That's not serving her. Can we come alongside and have a different conversation about helping her make a decision for life helping her make a decision for adoption and you're still honoring the life of that child, but you're honoring her decision to keep the child and maybe place for adoption. Then there's not the grief of the loss of that child yeah. that comes from taking the life of the child. Mm. So, yeah. The Roe versus Wade, which you mentioned earlier and the ripple effect of that, and it's still being re rehashed and relitigated and rediscussed mm-hmm. and in the United States, how do you think that law is going to have an effect across the world when it talks mm-hmm. about this. Unfortunately, I think it's going to cause division. We already had a lot of division in the pro-choice versus pro-life. Um, we, we've seen that right here in our own state in Colorado. We have some of the most aggressive and egregiously wrong um, pro-choice laws. You can have an abortion through 40 weeks. That's a full-term mm-hmm. baby for any reason. Um, you could say, I don't like the ethnicity of the father of the baby. I mean, it really is that open-ended oh, heartbreaking and so you're we're seeing a lot a lot of a division unfortunately even amongst pro-life we have pockets we'll call that pockets of pro-life individuals who are very 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 right we call right leaning you know, abortion never 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 what we're seeing though is some states going okay you know what let's meet in the middle let's do an abortion ban at a certain gestational age and so I think if we start looking at those laws, we have 24 states right now that have some type of ban on abortion. And if you look at our stats here in America, the vast majority of Americans, over 60%, say there needs to be some type of restriction. So I'm hoping, 
um, on a global look at this as we're still hashing this out and states are still trying to figure out what they're doing, that we'll start putting those bans in and that the rest of the world will see, oh, maybe we do need to pause. Maybe yeah. we don't need to have something quite so aggressive. Um, is that capitulating? I don't believe it is. I don't think it's compromising. I think it's winning where you can and then continuing that fight to make abortion unthinkable. That's one of the things my team talks about. Regardless of the law of the land, how do we, as Christ followers, how do we as focus on the family, how do we make abortion unthinkable? Well, it's coming alongside and saying, I'll support you in that pregnancy. Let's make a different decision. Yeah, yeah. very much so. Thank you, Robin, for joining us as our guest today and being an advocate on such an important issue, the right to life. We at Focus are proud to partner with other organisations that support women during their pregnancy journey, like Pregnancy Help Australia and The Babes Project. If you're listening to this and something has triggered you and you'd like someone to talk to or to provide some pro-life resources, please visit our website at families.org.au. Our free pastoral care services and resources are only being made possible because of the generosity of people that have a heart for families. So thank you for those that financially give and pray towards the ministry. Please consider partnering with us so we can help more Australian families thrive in Christ. Thank you for joining us today. We'd like to invite you to hear part two of our conversation next time for Focus on the Family Australia. taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.